tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap. Getting free from the traffic jam. Talking to yourself. Mad dogs and Englishmen. And are you feeling all right? In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. All right. Good evening, Tapsters, and welcome to This is Vinyl Tap. I'm your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, and we're recording live tonight at the Vinegaroon Saloon in beautiful North Central Austin. Sun. North Austin, nothing well, central uh, yeah, about it. Well, okay. I'm sorry. It depends on how long you lived here. Back in my day, this is <laughs> where the was hell North Austin. Worth. Yeah, Fort Worth boy. <clears throat> and as always, I'm joined by our host, Mr. Doug Cooper. Uh, remind me to ask you about your British uh, thing earlier. <laughs> I think that was British. And our co-host, Mr. Tony Slagle. Hello, everybody. And tonight we're going to be looking at an album, uh, the debut album, matter of fact, as a solo artist by one of the most respected sidemen and occasional full-on group member in the business um, throughout the late 60s and the early 70s. We're talking about Mr. Dave Mason. The uh, the Forrest Gump of rock and the roll. The Forrest Gump of rock and roll, that is true. And his uh, debut album... Times. Times. Uh, there are a lot of attributes about Forrest Gump. I think we need to clarify which one you're focused on. <laughs> okay. Uh, the fact that Forrest Gump was present in all sorts of major historical moments just happened to be there. Happened to be there, uh, yeah. That seems to be the case throughout Dave Mason's musical career. Yes, That's right. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, as he we didn't wear it. braces on his legs. No. His girlfriend didn't dive a... <laughs> He didn't have a learning Although disability. Although he had lots of girlfriends. Anyway, the album we're going to be talking about tonight is his debut album, Alone Together. Uh, In honor of COVID. Because <laughs> a lot of us are alone, but we can be together. So true. Anyway, That's what uh, this podcast is all about. <laughs> Mr. Mason is a guitar player, a very sought-after guitar player, and we'll talk about who he is and with whom he's worked later in the show but first i'd like to ask our host doug why he selected this album for this particular podcast well as you know i'm your unhumble host 
Uh, I'm in charge of picking the good albums on this uh, podcast, and JM's tra- been trying to get into my territory here lately by picking albums right before I pick them, and that's fine with me because that leaves me with more choices. Um, why Dave Mason? Okay. Uh, number one, I think this podcast serves its purposes best when it focuses on an album that a lot of people are going to like, but they don't know about yet. I think we did that with a uh, podcast on Emilio Harris, Wrecking Ball. I'm confident that we will soon be getting tons of email about how thankful that that people are that we introduced them to that. Uh, Dave Mason, you're going to like this album, and you may like it almost immediately. It, um, it kind of disappeared after it initially came out. I grew up in Austin listening to a radio station that played this album all of the time. It was, I I guess there was about four songs on here on on this album that were played constantly. And uh, a lot of y'all know Dave Mason. And I'm going to say a few things to help you realize that you know this guy, even though you might not know. One of them is his biggest hit. It, It got to number 12 it was a song he didn't write it was written by his uh rhythm guitarist uh, jim kruger and that song is we just disagree so let's leave it alone because we can't see eye to eye there ain't no good guy there ain't no bad guy there's only you and me and we just disagree and it was a number 12 hit in 1977. And through the magics of editing, our producer will probably play that. And then uh, another song is his biggest hit of all that he uh, was a big hit when he didn't sing it was <laughs> um, uh, Feeling All Right. Someone's locked the door and took the key. You're feeling all right. Which, of course, Joel Crocker uh, turned into a a huge hit. It's a staple on FM radio. And um, the master of other people's songs, Mm -hmm. Joe Crocker. Yep. And uh, he he made that one his own. I, I, I don't say that. Yeah, he's he's a Linda Ronstadt of. I I don't say that as a positive thing. By the way, <laughs> I, now, this song, notwithstanding, I don't say that as a positive thing that Joe Cocker is the master of other people's songs. That's said uh, dripping with sarcasm. Yeah. yeah, but if you saw the end of Officer and a Gentleman, <laughs> oh my God! Uh, also uh, about this record, up. Uh, this record fills a notch that I don't have another record that fills it. And I'm going to say a whole bunch of things that probably don't make sense. But this is a daytime record. This is an outside record. And uh, this this record is a feel-good record, even when he's trying to be uh, deep and blue. Uh, <coughs> yeah. There's, there's something really important about this record. It is one of the records that reminds people how important acoustic guitar is in rock and roll that is true. a lot of people let that go but i'm gonna yep. point to lindsey buckingham when he's layering acoustic guitars all over the place mm-hmm. uh it 
it, it to me fits that or fills or it's, it's spot in the middle of that weird space where rock and roll was straddling that line between acoustic music and electric music. Yeah. And it and it sounds so fundamentally familiar to me like a bunch of other stuff but i don't know what that style is it reminds me of badge by cream it reminds me of lots of traffic which we'll talk about later it reminds me a bit of the guess who um and it reminds of course blind faith it's just got that kind of weird where rock was doing this thing where it was straddling that line and making something very unique that uh, was very very of its time in that early that and late sixties this early album mid seventies. Had it not been, there's a couple of songs on there that that wouldn't fit, but this could almost be a folk record. I mean, there are ways that he could have done this that would have made it a folk I, record. I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it's not either. I I think he he hit a, a perfect vibe, and I think Delaney and Bonnie have a, a lot to lot do, to with, do the with this. Sound. Yeah, it, we'll get when, to that too. Yeah, uh, they made one of his songs a uh, a hit. Uh, only you know and I know was was a hit for Delaney and Bonnie. Those of you that are fans of the podcast, and if you aren't, shame on you. But if uh, you remember the Eric Clapton, or excuse me, the Derek and the Dominoes uh, edition, you'll know that Eric Clapton toured with Delaney and Bonnie, as did uh, George Harrison, as as did um, Dave Mason, yeah, Dave Thomas Mason, and uh, <laughs> it's it's so clear. Uh, that these all three of those guys picked a lot, a lot up from those guys, and I, that's the first, that's the first white band on Stacked Records. We've got to get ourselves together. Take some time and talk it over. We've got to get ourselves together. Try and understand each other. And uh, they're very interesting, and I'm sure we're going to cover yeah. one of their records before too long. Well, we and, to. and the Delaney and Bonnie uh, um, connection is important because of who plays on this album as well. Yeah. Those, those are people who were just like Derek and the they Dominoes. They were Derek and the Dominoes. Everybody steals I, Delaney I, well, and it's, Bonnie's it's band. Funny. I, I read something right before I came over here. Where, uh, I was just doing a little bit of extra research, I guess, and someone said that uh, they said Dave Dave Mason was was essentially tra- uh, they meant this in a kind of a funny way. He was traveling on Clapton's coattails. Like, where Clapton had tread before, here would come Dave Mason. So, I just thought that was right. kind of funny. And, uh, but yeah, they're all I, connected on those yeah. on those projects, like All Things Must Pass with George Harrison. All of these same characters are in, in that band. Well, I find it interesting. This is the third Brummie we've talked about on this podcast. And for those of you who don't know what a Brummie is, that's someone from Birmingham, England. So we talked about the Moody Blues, who were definitely Birmingham guys. We talked about uh, the Move and ELO. Um, And now we've got Dave Mason and Traffic, if you will. Uh, You know, Birmingham evidently is a pretty hopping place. I don't, I don't know if this is if if their their trajectory is going right. In the next couple albums, we'll be talking about Sabbath. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, someone else will be doing a lot of the talking that (laughs) night. (laughs) All right, so let's. Where I come from, Sabbath would be Saturday. So that's actually a pretty good. So that's a pretty good segue. Speaking of the Sabbath, uh, that's actually a pretty good segue into talking a little bit about who Dave Mason is, was. I mean, we, he was born in Birmingham. No, he was born in uh, Worcestershire. Um, 
So Dave Mason, he's a Brit. Um, and I'm not really sure about where he, all the research that I did, I could not figure out where he, what his musical upbringing is or, but. Well, he said, um, the second time he left traffic in an interview, he said the reason he went to the U S was because that's where all the great music came from, except for folk. He's like folk music. That's European, everything else, jazz, blues, rock and roll. Strictly American. So my guess is that's what he was listening to. Because he's significantly more pop-oriented, in terms of traffic, significantly more pop-oriented than either Jim Capaldi or Steve Winwood, where those well, guys were yeah. much more jazzy. So let's talk a little bit about he, how he got into traffic. So traffic was formed uh, by Steve Winwood, uh, Jim Capaldi. And a guy named Dave Mason. Dave Mason and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yes, Chris. So, Wood. but uh, j- just real quick, Jam, uh, Jim, Jim Capaldi, and Dave Mason knew each other prior to traffic. They were actually in a band called the Hellions, a Birmingham band called the Hellions. That ended up, this is kind of a cool thing. They ended up going to Hamburg and playing in the in the Star Club, the same place where the same Beatles, place where the Beatles did, and you know, obviously earned their chops. Uh, uh, they, you know, they came back, and uh, Dave Mason decides he doesn't like the spotlight. This isn't the first time he's going to split because things get a little too popular for him, right? Yeah. So he leaves and ends up. Uh, they while they're in Hamburg, they hung out with the Spencer Davis group, who was Steve Winwood. Yeah, he was 16 years old when they met. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Steve, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he had a number one hit when he, <laughs> yeah, 16. he was 16 years old. That yeah. would have been enough to. It's, like, it's almost me. like. Uh, Who's the other guy that we talked about? Had it hit it? Alex Chilton. Alex Chilton. Yeah, the box top. So, uh, but so they they hang out in Hamburg together. They come and when they're coming back uh, to to the UK, he leaves the Hellions for whatever reason. Um, he starts. He's a roadie for the Spencer Davis group. <laughs> you know, and this is just kind of typical of him. This is yeah, a, it is. It, it's it it, is. it's kind of part of his history, like hanging out with some people, having some hits, and then going, you know, it's, I'm not really happy. But but what's kind of cool is the Hellions were had minor hits. Uh, Jim Capaldi was their lead singer, oddly enough. And Jim uh, Capaldi's got a pretty good voice. I mean, yeah, he does have a good voice. And he was, and they had a minor hit with the song called "Daydreaming of You." The lights are red, If you know who Jackie DeShannon is, oh yeah, it's composed by Jackie DeShannon and every time produced, you walk in the room, yeah, produced by Kim Fowley. Who oh, was, oh, with the uh, the Runaways, the, yeah, the yeah. Runaways, yeah. So it's funny that these guys have that kind of connection, but it's a great song. It's as as pop as you could possibly get. But anyway, they get some success, and that's when he splits. And Capaldi continues as this band called Deep Feeling, and like I said, Dave Mason is the roadie for. <laughs> for the da- for the Spencer Davis group, I listened to a lot of Morgan Wallen, and oh, geez, I don't I know, know I very much because uh, you guys are old. You don't know about these new cool bands. Um, yeah. So who's the Spencer Davis band? The Spencer Davis uh, group. <laughs> group. Say, I, mean, I just know these. New they things. were they were kind of the progenitors of Blue Eyed Soul. They, they were, were white guys trying to sound like Ray Charles. They were basically white guys trying to. Ch- sound like Ray Charles, and they make no bones about it. And, they, and they did. Stevie Winwood did a great job. And Stevie oh, Winwood was the lead singer and Hammond organ player. Uh-huh. So everything that you hear, their and their big hit was Give Me Some Lovin'. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, 
which is a fantastic song. Fantastic song. And uh, so Steve Winwood kind of cut his chops on, you know, he, he, he was well-established at this point. Well, he, he didn't like the restrictions of the Spencer Davis group because they were, as you said, made no bones about the fact that they want to do, and he wanted to spread his wings a little bit. Yeah. So he is actually looking to leave to do something else when he got back to Birmingham. He meets up with Dave Mason and Capaldi. Yeah, Jim Capaldi was playing in some club, and the three of them would get together and jam at this club, and uh, Chris Wood's sister made stage clothes, clothes for the Spencer Davis group, so that's how he got... That's how they knew Chris Chris Wood, and um, and they just decided, you know, be, with through Steve Winwood's urging, they would get together. They all knew that with Steve Winwood in this band, they were instantly going to be big, regardless of of whatever they did, just because he was such that was such a monster band at the time, the Spencer Davis Group. Yeah, pretty obvious right away that Winwood, Capaldi, and Wood just kind of like jamming together and coming up with songs and Dave Mason would just sort of disappear and reappear with a song that he wanted them to do. Well, yeah. As, his ba- as almost as his backup band, he'd say, yeah. here's my song. This is what I want you to do. And the other guys are much more organic on how they I, do things. I don't think I've ever read an article about, uh, Dave Mason and traffic where someone doesn't quote Steve Winwood saying what y'all just said. Yeah. He, <laughs> we would all three be working together, and he'd bust into the room with well, the list but of you songs. Can, you can really tell. Oh yeah, in when in that the first album, that first album especially. And, yeah, yeah. Actually, the first two. There's a distinct difference between what the the well, other I mean, guys were doing. Yeah, Dave Mason's songs are three minutes, and you know the rest of. Uh, <laughs> We're on this space exploration, <laughs> space exploration. Of, of, uh, of of various substances. Freedom was was he uh, having fewer uh, doobies than the rest of the fellas? I think uh, Dave Mason was probably a drinker, is my guess. Yeah. He look he looks like he's a drinker rather than a a doobie or a, a, a doobie. You know, but real quick though, I want I want just want to throw this out. You can call this a tidbit if you want to, but I thought this was pretty amazing. Donnie's tidbits. Uh, so when the band decided to call themselves Traffic. There was another band. Uh, do you know this story? There's another yeah, band in I South did. London called, called Traffic, Traffic Jam. <laughs> and they ended up renaming themselves as Status Quo <laughs> of Pictures of Matchstick Men fame. Yeah. Pictures of Matchstick Men and you. Mirages of Matchstick Men and you. All I ever see is them and you. Yep. So status quo is called status quo because Steve Winwood got a bunch of guys in Birmingham together and he was a little bit more famous than them. And if he's going to call himself traffic by gum, that's who traffic was going to be. And by the way, that, that's a fan. The pictures of Matt, Matt Stickman is a fantastic it's song. It's a psychedelic gem. Yeah, right? it's a psychedelic gem. Yeah, and that, that reminds me of the birds uh, knocking the birds. Oh, yeah. American birds knocking the British birds out. Yeah. Even though the American yeah. birds is sprell, spelled weird well yeah. britishy if you will. we should um we should form a band and see if we could knock out a british well you know <laughs> the, the funny thing is even at this early stage people were hanging out with this band so when they got when they started recording their first album they went off to this what they what was in called the traffic cottage i think and so uh eric bird would hang out there pete townsend would hang out eric clapton trevor burton from the move if you remember when we were talking about that the move elo i mentioned that trevor burton left because he, after hanging out with Traffic, he didn't want to continue making pop songs anymore yeah. because Traffic changed. And because Trevor Burton left the move, 
That's why Jeff Lynn joined. So traffic is sort of responsible for Jeff Lynn joining the move and ELO becoming a thing. It's like when you throw a stone into a pool. The, <laughs> or a butterfly flapping the its wings, right? The, the rings just go on for... It's like a ripple on still water. So anyway, so Dave Mason, the traffic starts getting some notoriety. Dave Mason uh, writes perhaps one of their biggest hits, one of their perhaps most easily accessible hits uh, with Feeling All Right. Which is off their second LP. Yeah. Right. And he had left already at this point. That's right. And, off their, but, after their debut. And so, it, But it's kind of it, it's it's kind of murky about when Dave Mason is actually a member of the band and when he's not at this, because he kept coming back. It's like back. a junior he, high school relationship. Like even into the 90s, he was... Yeah, I, I, think, I think he would leave when they got a little bit... And he said the, the popularity of Traffic threw him for a loop, so he split. Yeah. And then he... Uh, yeah, and then he finds his way back. Because um, I, I think... I mean, he Jim Capaldi is a buddy of his, and I think that always attracted yeah. him going back to the band before uh he goes back to that se- to work on that second album which i think half of the songs are written and sung by him on that traffic album which yeah. was called oddly enough their second album called traffic before he did that he actually recorded a single uh with a band uh backing him up called the family he had produced yeah. their album and this song called little women That was kind of his first taste of, hey, maybe I can do this. Yeah, on my own. exactly. Yeah. And then they, I think they somehow were all hanging out in Greece on a holiday or something. And they got back together and then they went in to record their second album. Um, and that's when he recorded that, mo- recorded what ended up being a monster hit for somebody else. Feeling all right with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing that I think he has ever done is the 12 string guitar acoustic guitar on all along the watchtower there must be some kind of way out of here the hendrix but version on the hendrix version can I ask? Oh, Hendrix has a version. Can I? Can I ask? Well, first of all, I believe I could be wrong about this. This could be apocryphal, but I believe Dave Mason is the one who played that for Hendrix. Like I've heard. I've heard, heard that, that story at least yeah. five times. That they were yeah. hanging out and he played. So I have a question for you, though. I read someplace, and you guys may know this. I don't know that somewhere in somewhere in that album are all the members of Traffic. There is a. Oh, uh, a mermaid, I will be as um, Chris Wood doing all all the flute parts. Okay. Um, there, Dave Mason is all over that album, although he's not credited on on all that stuff. Steve Winwood plays on it, but at one point, yep. and uh, Jim Capaldi is so. Uh, it, it, so yeah, traffic is on it. I don't know if they're in there. I'm sure there's a song where all of them are. Playing. Well, no, but I mean those yeah. guys are somewhere. Yeah, they but, all they all but, were session musicians. Yeah, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I listened to uh, Tate McRae 
And I don't know when you're saying this album. I don't know what we're talking about. Electric Ladyland. We are talking about Electric Ladyland, which if you don't have Electric Ladyland... You're, you're a dope. You're a dope. That's a fantastic album. You're a big dope. Is there a chance that uh, Hendrix was trying to psychedelicize himself and decided, <laughs> why don't I just get traffic in here? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Because he did... Uh, he didn't you know, pull it off on that record. Speaking of feeling all right, you know, Dave Mason during the pandemic re-recorded it with a bunch of people, uh, Mick Fleetwood, Sammy Hagar, well, yeah. uh, Michael McDonald, and they redid a version of feeling all right with those guys. In How the many band. times has called that song been? Re- 60. Yeah. Uh, James, it was called James Mason, not James Mason. That's the actor. Dave Mason in the quarantines <laughs> was the name of the band. Um, but I don't think this had quite the same message that some other British musicians during quarantine are. Well, it's it's just so strange that this guy is all over the place. I'm just going to rattle off a few that we haven't covered yet. But uh, he played with Stephen Stills, Graham Nash. Uh, he was on the Rolling Stones' Beggar Banquet. Uh, I forgot. Listen to that. What the Man Said by Paul McCartney. He's on yeah, that. That's right. I forgot that one. Uh, you know? Do you know what uh, Mason played on Street Fighting Man? Uh, Tempora? It was some drums, Sitar. right? It's a bass drum. And the Mellotron. Oh, did he really? That's <laughs> <Yes>. hilarious. <laughs> Here we are, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. the Mellotron. Now it's, we got to get Bob Wheels in this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's kind of like he's in the studio just going, hey, uh, yeah. hey I'm you need a guy to play bongos? And he's not a, a household name. But one of the things, and we'll get to He this. is in this house. <laughs> <laughs> he is a very good guitar player. He is. He is not a flashy guitar player. I, I think that's why Doug, I think Doug likes him because I'm guessing he's the kind of guitarist Doug likes. Well, he pays a lot of attention to the acoustic guitar. Anyway, um, Dave Mason is still out there touring, and uh, he did have some good albums to follow this one, but uh, he, he ended up with uh, three gold records and uh, one platinum record. He never made an album this good again. He has some really good songs on other albums, but never never yeah. a complete album that does this well. Yeah, I think this fits really into what we talk about on this podcast in terms of listening to an album in its entirety. But I, I do want to say one thing we didn't talk about in terms of his involvement or something, which seems the oddest to me, yeah. was he released an album with Mama Cass, Cass Elliott from the Mama and the Papas. <laughs> in well, he produced, yeah, he and... Uh, and it's one of the guys we're going to be talking about later. It was produced by John Simon. Yeah. And he, John Simon is it, on this album that we're, we're talking about, but it's dedicated to the one I love or the, 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 the mama cast Dave Mason album hit number 49 on the billboard top 200. It wasn't a dud. Uh, it, the yeah. funny thing is he was evidently introduced to, uh, her, um, through, um, Graham Parsons. He met Graham Parsons when he went out to California, and uh, and I believe that is also how he met Bonnie and Delaney was through Graham Parsons. Is that right? Well, yeah. makes sense. I've the dice too much to 
It's a small world out there. Now I have a question uh, for Tony Uh-oh. and for JM before we go into the record, even uh-huh. though I'm not the one that's supposed to be asking questions. And I, <laughs> how is traffic different before and after Dave Mason? It's tough for me to say because when I listen to John Barleycorn Must Die, which is the same time this album came out, I don't see a difference. I mean, there is slight, but those the songs on this album could easily have fit on John Barleycorn Must Die and vice versa. And in fact, when they in 71, Dave Mason tours with Traffic. They play two of the songs off this album as Traffic, and it sounds like Traffic. It doesn't sound... I mean, it's just... It, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, they do get into these bizarre, like, low spark of high, high heel right. boys. Yeah, that's very this. different than this. Yeah, so, again, there there are there are songs that are these long, sort of space jam. The jams, jams is the, yeah. the, the, the proper term. They're kind of free-form jazzy is right. Uh, that was not Dave Mason's bag at Well, I right. think that everybody, I think people started figuring out that Chris Wood was getting some session time, and he he could play. He has some pretty good chops, and I think they were, that was another thing that they were like, "Wait!" Well, and I'll also say, kind of going to your question, Doug. Steve Winwood is not, even though he's probably known better as a uh, keyboard player, he also plays guitar. His guitar playing is the most meandering. Sort well, it, of, it fits what they're doing. It does fit what they're doing, and it, it's it, and Dave Mason is very tight. Even the, the songs on this album, where there are a couple of of, of jams, there's some really long jams on here, but they and don't it's very they don't strange feel, that they don't bother me. They, they don't, don't feel jammy. Me. That's right. why they don't yeah. feel jammy at all. They don't they're feel purposeful. like they yeah. don't feel like the song I mentioned before, "Low Spark of High Hill Boys," which yeah. I, I don't. Again, it's a mystery to me why I like that song. Because it doesn't seem like something. Did I you would. have a doobie? No, <laughs> but, but, but I, I I was a big traffic fan, and part of the appeal to me at the time was that kind of that <laughs> weird, just sitting back and letting it roll over you stuff. Yeah, that's but, what I like about it. It makes me think but, that I'm a hippie. But if you, and I'm a redneck. But, but to, more to your point, at the time this album came out, they had recorded my favorite traffic album, which is John Barleycorn Must Die. Made Absolutely, and there's songs on this album that sound trafficy to me, and as and but that was before I went back and listened to that live album and realized why because I'd heard them on well, a Tribe Laughing. You can pull any traffic album off the shelf, and it's not. There might be a, a kind of a similarity to it, but they're all going to sound. No, they're going to sound completely different. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and here's something else. Um, James done a horrible job of interviewing himself tonight. Uh, <laughs> The personnel on this album is interesting, Jam. Something about 1970 and Delaney and Bonnie, which are an American and band that had all these Brits following all, them all around. All these Brits are following them around. <laughs> yeah. The bass player, Carl Rattle. Well, you know, Chris Etheridge also played bass on this album. That's that's the birds. Yeah. But you got Leon Russell, um, who is briefly part of the wrecking crew. Um, 
And then you've got uh, Bonnie Bramlett. And we've got Jim Gordon playing drums. Jim uh, Jim Capaldi plays drums, too. Jim Keltner. You've got Delaney and Bonnie. And you've got the Mad Dogs and Englishmen backing group. So it's like Dave Mason just said, okay, I like you guys. I like you guys. I like you guys. Oh, and then stacks. Let's bring in some stacks. Yeah, Claude, Claudia Lanier is a, a former Iket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I the the main point is he he has amazing musicians on this. Uh, we need to. Uh, we'll talk about it at some point. The drumming on this album is it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's, that's what this thing keeps moving. No threat of anything slowing down or bogging down, and those drums are doing exactly what drums are supposed to do. Perfect, and they're not perfect. You know, a great drummer can get out of the way. Yeah, and that's what these guys do. They put the power in and get out of the way. Well, so so from the stacks. So let's talk about the great drummers here. We've got uh, Jim Capaldi, Traffic, Jim Gordon, uh, Delaney, Delaney, and Body, everybody. Jim Keltner, the consummate who, session drummer, who has probably played on. There, there is a, I think there's a stat that Jim Keltner and Hal Blaine. I think Jim Keltner is behind uh, Hal Blaine is the most played on. He's yeah. the Hal biggest. Blaine has, I think, sixty number one hits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Played on. Yeah. yeah, and Jim Keltner, I. He, but Jim Keltner cut his teeth with uh, Booker T and the MG. So if and keyboards. Leon Russell. Uh, well, <laughs> and? <laughs> <laughs> Larry Netchel. Larry Netchel was a part of the Wrecking Crew. John Simon. John Simon, <laughs> we could do, There's a. there should be a documentary on John Simon. He is a phenomenal producer, uh, musician. He plays guitar. He plays keyboards. Last Waltz. He does uh, uh, everything. Music from the Big Pink. Cheap Thrills. Cheap Thrills. Yeah. He has produced so many people. He is the person that basically introduced brass into rock. the... Uh, well, into rock in general, but with, with the band. that, that And that's what he, he was called the sixth member of the band at one point. And if you ever see him interviewed, he's just like, well, well whatever. But he, he's a... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, we could almost do a whole separate podcast on him. He is a phenomenal musician, Princeton educated. Uh, he had what he was doing in rock and roll makes absolutely no sense because he he cut his teeth uh, producing um, Broadway original uh, soundtracks. Uh. The guitarist besides Dave Mason is Mike DeTemple, who. Uh, is a very good guitar player playing on a, a lot of sessions, a lot with Leon Russell. Then there's Don oh. Preston, who <laughs> Don Preston, who's worked with uh, everybody. It's like Leon Russell's guitar go-to guitar player. All right, bass, Chris Etheridge. Where do well, we know him from? Well, you, you said you said the Birds, but it's not the Birds. It's the International Submarine Band and the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the bass, so who cares? <laughs> the bass on this album is also phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And one of the bass players is the keyboardist, Larry Netchel. So he went on to bigger and better things with bread. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm a love you. Yeah. And then there's, yeah. and then there's Carl, Carl Rattle. Carl Reiner? Rattle. Oh, I'm sorry. Who is the uh, bass player? Been here before. Yeah. We've been here before. We have. 
All right, here's the drummer. Derek and the Dominoes. Jim Capaldi, Jim Gordon, uh, John Barbata, who I don't really know very much about. Um, And, of course, we talked about Jim Keltner. All right, here's the backup singers. Uh, Bonnie Bramlett, Delaney and Bonnie. Uh, Someone who kind of had some success on her own, Rita Coolidge. Now, I can't remember. We're not talking about how hot she is, right? <laughs> no, we're ta- we, we, we do, uh, though, want to mention that she's responsible for, uh, when we talked about the Layla uh, and other sort of love yeah. songs, she's responsible for that fabulous 90-minute coda at the end of the song Layla. <laughs> that all people who don't hate America like. She's hot while she was writing Ugh. it. But she also did the best version of Superstar. That's ever the original <laughs> right. version and of Superstar. And a lot of people, if you listen to Pop Smoke, you might not know that song, but <laughs> the uh, that song was made famous by the Carpenters. It's the most biggest misinterpretation of a song. Don't ever. you remember you told me you love me? Oh, I forgot Jam uh, plays these things. It won't sound that good, but you can hear her sing. <laughs> As we mentioned, Claudia Lanier, who is an iCat. How yeah. he, he could assemble those guys, which, I mean, even though he just jumps ship all the time, I guess he hasn't pissed off so many people that he can't. You know, hey, well, he just does an Irish goodbye. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and these guys later on, as we, as Doug has mentioned that a lot of them jump or don't jump, but they go on to be part of Derek and the Dominoes. And, Dave Mason was originally a member of Derek and the Dominoes as well. Yeah. And while that lasted. What? <laughs> yeah. While it lasted. While it lasted. <laughs> while it lasted. Well, he said, you know, he said one of the reasons he, he left was because there was a lot of sitting around. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Mr. Clapton <laughs> starting to enjoy the, uh, yeah, the yeah. black tar heroin or whatever he was getting into. Yeah. They probably didn't need another guitar player. My opinion, I'm not a big Derek and Donovan's fan, but there's this. Is it, he he did, never made that clear. Yeah, he did play with them on one concert, and there is a version of him doing "Tell the Truth" that is, I think, so much better than the one that's on the album. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, "Alone," it, the first song on "Alone Together." Is which it, is, is it not ironic that we did all those podcasts uh, on Zoom, and we're doing "Alone Together," but we're all together together that is uh sure that's ironic sure so are we ready to get into the album great idea okay so the first song is only you know and i know
So I, I absolutely love the way this song starts off. I love the acoustic guitar strumming and then this kind of brief electric lead and then the rhythm th- section kicks in with this fantastic bouncing bass line and the drums are incredible. The drums are incredible. And then I, I'll, I'll say it, even though it's not the strongest voice in the world, I think Dave Mason's vocals are great and they're great on this song. Um, but man, the drumming on this song just gives you an, an understanding of what you're in for. Um, it, and the the lead guitar on it is great. Yeah. This is a this is a this is a fantastic song. I can I know why they picked it as a single too. I mean, it's uh, well Delaney and Bonnie had already had a hit with it, uh, yeah. and and their version is also good. I don't think it has the juice this one. No, does. it doesn't. And I I need to. I have a special word for anybody with a convertible. If you have a convertible, <laughs> you need to put this on in your convertible. You need to go about 80 miles an hour down some roads. And we have uh, roads here in Texas with 85 miles an hour speed. You can limit, do 85 you want. Or 90 even. Um, so uh, get in your convertible, put this on, turn it up all the way, and uh, it's perfect for that. And, and it's interesting because, Doug, you said you grew up listening to this on the radio. Dave Mason was never played on the radio the, for, that I can think of in the DFW area. I'm sure it was. He was. You know, he wasn't real popular in San Angelo. Yeah, but this was a this was a number forty two hit. I yeah. mean, that's not anything to sneeze at, yeah, especially by a guy and who's an album rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. don't usually get up high like uh, "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." Right, right. <laughs> it, you know, this is back also when Cashbox and Billboard were competing, and it is actually thirty seven on Cashbox. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a dud. Yeah, let's put it that way. This is the song that where I think the band sounds the most alive. Uh, I could I could see that. I agree with that. And um Dave Mason is his acoustic guitar playing, as Doug mentioned, is incredible on this. It it's, is. it's it's so uh, it, it is the Were you able to figure out how many uh parts there are, how many guitar <laughs> parts there are? No, I can, but I can I can pick out at least three. It reminds me of uh, Lindsey Buckingham yeah. on "Go Your Own Way," yeah. where he just when, layers. When they actually, Dave Mason said this. He said that it took three guitar players to replace Lindsey Buckingham when, <laughs> because yeah. um, I mean, it, and, and he was self-deprecating himself. But like. The uh, Lindsey Buckingham would layer all of those things, and and it's hard to pick them out. And it, this is. This reminds me of that because Dave Mason is just putting all kinds of guitar parts in there. And the the acoustic guitar, there's something about an acoustic guitar that is not true for an electric guitar. Acoustic guitar can make the music feel big, fat, and round. And especially uh, the way he's playing it on this, and yeah, yeah, and you just can't. And it's got it almost like a hi hat. The way it, it's just so perfect. The way that he is, he's playing it. And uh, yeah, you're right. Acoustic guitars just give some sort of foundation to a song and you said the faces are rod stewart it's it reminds me of the way they would put acoustic guitar in yeah. with the electric guitar right i i think one of the big mistakes in in a lot of rock and roll is they said oh we're a rock band we don't need an acoustic guitar and i think yeah. that's so wrong yeah yeah so the next song is can't stop worrying can't stop loving who am I talking to? It's just myself. Talk to the wall when I talk to someone else. Only a few that I met really knew. 
groovy little mellow soft rock ditty. I, I like this one too. Um, the thing about only you know and I know is it's the only song that he puts it in overdrive, puts his foot down, and it doesn't change tempo the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And these others are gonna. Well, some of them even change temp. I mean, like actually change time signature. Oh yeah, they, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, this one, it's not a monster hang, but it's very. Very well, attractive. It's yeah. not that different from what was popular on the radio at the time, but it sounds, it's got some sophistication to it. Okay. It's like this weird counter melody that he's doing. And it is, it's so attractive. Like I had to, this is the song that I went back and listened to over and over again because mm. I was just fascinated well, by it. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep sounding, talking about the drums, but if, when, when, I shouldn't say if, when, you anyone pulls this album up to listen to it take a moment to appreciate how great the drum sound is. yeah 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 um that you know you just said the word sound it's not just everyone's playing well but the engineer yeah has everything no it's balanced it's nothing's muffled or hidden no. it's all everything is right where it should be all yeah. the levels are set correctly yep. yeah but there's songs we get into later where I really wish that the engineer had just pulled the drums up almost to where they distorted. Sometimes I wish the guitars were a little bit more distorted. Um, when we talk about the next song, I'll tell you something I wish he had pulled out of the song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next song is Waiting on You. Pretty much a one of the bigger rockers on the on the album. I, I don't like this song that much. It's a little too bluesy for me. Surprise, surprise. Surprise. I'm, I'm surprise. gonna say something that's gonna be unpopular in this room tonight. I find the background singing distracting as all get out. I totally disagree with you on that. I think that's the I think the background is Bonnie and uh, Rita. There's a lot of songs in this album where the background singing is not as upfront as it is on this particular well, this, song. I, I will tell you, I agree with Tony in the in that um, this background singing is not background singing. Yeah, and this I think this is Bonnie uh, thinking she's with Delaney and she's doing the half um, half and half deal yeah, that they it, used to do, and it just, it's not. Um, it just distracts me. Again, well, let, me, let me put it this way: while I say this is my least favorite song in this album, that doesn't mean it's a bad song. It doesn't mean I dislike it. It is a little too bluesy for me. The background singing is distracting, but the, those are kind of nitpicky things. I, it's not like this song would come on the radio and be. It's not like I would react to this like I heard a, a Barracuda by Heart, where I would <laughs> jump out of my moving car to not hear that song. But. Uh, <laughs> The keyboard work on this is incredible, and I'm guessing that that's Leon Russell doing well, that. That's one of the things that is really frustrating about this album. You is can't tell. You can't who, tell who's doing what, and you right. want to because the right. musicianship on it is so good. It's like who is playing? Who's doing what? You assume it's Leon Russell. You assume the lead is Dave Mason. You well, assume, I mean, there's like what I mean, four keyboardists. Yeah. So maybe three bassists. Yeah. Like who? Four hundred guitars. I mean, uh, four hundred drummers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is. That's always bothered me. And if you look at the record, you don't get much in the liner notes. You get a little paragraph saying, "Yeah, all these people are doing something." I, 
Clapton. I read yeah. something online where somebody wrongly thought Clapton played on the first song. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, he's got he's been accused of having Clapton play solos that he took credit for. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I don't. nothing on this album sounds nothing like Clapton. No, and why why would Clapton like be okay with that? As well, no, I, I, just I don't think, think clap. Well, I, my my impression of Clapton black is, tar. <laughs> there you go. From what I know about Clapton, he just doesn't give a crap. He, Maybe yeah. I, I I just that that is the that was really frustrating because I, yeah. I listened to this and like guy who's playing. I want to know who played the drums. I yeah. want to know who's playing. I want to know who played the keyboard. The work keyboards is amazing. I mean, you're I'm kind of assuming you have Leon Russell playing keys. He's playing the vast majority of the keys. Man. I did. I pulled out the album. It folds out three ways, and there is a lot of room to put information that we're requesting <laughs> yeah, instead of and rock walls. instead there's giant pictures of dave mason <laughs> big giant dave mason poking yeah. his head over the hills <laughs> yeah anyway it doesn't even say credits it says special thanks and then <laughs> it doesn't even say what instrument they play it just has everybody's name listed special thanks yeah that's annoying that's annoying as hell so then we get to song four Which is kind of a hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song, it's funny because uh, I kept thinking, listen, this song's song. called You Shouldn't Have Took More Than You Gave. Yeah. Right. And I kept thinking, God, this sounds like a traffic song to me. It sounds so much like a traffic it song. It does. And then it I realized really they actually play, they actually recorded it live in 1971 on their Welcome to the Canteen album. Uh which Dave Mason played with them on. So it makes sense there. I think there are two songs on this album. This is one of them. Who's, on, who sings it? Dave Mason does. I'd like to hear uh, Steve Winwood. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this as I much like as I, hear... as much as I like Dave Mason's vocals on these songs, I think we could all through, and this isn't saying a whole lot. I mean, this is the obvious, how much better they'd sound if Steve Winwood was singing lead on them. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, I think Sam cook sings better than I do a little bit. <laughs> just slightly. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit that. But well, um, maybe when, what I meant by that is he's he's in the top. And is and, yeah. and, and I I'm not a musician, right? So I'm guessing that's some sort of wah wah pedally guitar going on throughout this song. Oh yeah, it's not subtle. It's not subtle at all. But I like um, it though. And the p- piano's great in the song. The uh, fade out to me is also something that seems very yeah. much like Traffic would have done as well, because it's just kind of this slow burn. Well, this is definitely the, the most trafficy song on yeah. the album, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, well, this. This song should be irritating me the whole time with wow. I love it. Wow. No, but it's so but it doesn't it it doesn't bother me at all. I I dig that part. It's almost like badge. Badge the wah wah and badge should piss me off, but it never does. Oh guitar solo and badge is so great. Um that badge is getting in there with Mellotron. (laughs) It is. Uh it was such well, it's such a great song. Um it, it's funny because I, I really dig that part that starts off, say the simple things are the hardest to explain. I yeah. guess it's the kind of the, in the middle of the song and the way it sort of changes up a little bit. I, it's like there's three tunes here. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And they don't have anything to do with each other and they fit perfectly, yeah. which always amazes me when that it's happens. It's like a Beatles song. Like Beatles it song, is. yeah. But Day in the life. You don't have two writers. You have 
<laughs> one writer. One guy. Well, and, and I want to say something just uh, since we're in the middle of this album right now, um, that uh, the one really kind of weak spot, in my opinion, on this album are the lyrics. He's not a lyricist. No, he's not. And, uh, you know, I believe Jim Capaldi wrote the vast majority of the lyrics for Traffic. So maybe, yeah. he, you know, that guy was a little bit more interesting. But I don't uh, think they're bad. They're not bad. I just don't think they're, they're not, interesting. They're not bad. They're not distracting. Eh, uh, a couple of times they're distracting. But. They're like, okay, well, I, I know what song you're talking about probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just you... you when you're listening to this album, you want the lyrics to be just a just a little bit better than this, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, I I am fortunate that I heard this before I knew what good and bad lyrics yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I got lucky on that. But listening to it now, I think the lyrics are like his voice; they're limited. <laughs> well, I mean. He's never been talked about as a great singer, um, but he's he's more than good enough to get it done. Oh, and, and these and lyrics are never going to be considered uh, poetry that you could read on their own. Right. But they don't distract you. They from do the job. The they do the they're, job. I, they're better than adequate. Except than the adequate. next the next song <laughs> is the one where does kind of stick in my craw world and changes so the next song is world and changes Is it the lyrics or the attitude? No, it's the lyrics. So, the lyrics are just like I could have written those in my sleep. So at, at least the way that it starts off. I think I feel that way about the next song when we get to it. But world that's what that's the one I was predicting yeah. you were talking well, about. Me too. But world and changes, uh I'm gonna say something, Jam. This may be my favorite song on the album. It's one of my favorite. It, it's probably I, my second so favorite song I am on the a, album. I am a even though we've talked about power pop and how much it love power pop i am a sucker for spooky songs played in a minor key yep. <laughs> i love that stuff i love it i love like all that that 60s garage stuff that just yeah. hovered around the minor key and this song does that and, yeah. it, and it even sounds kind of garagey to me um it, it, it i i love this song i think this I love song's it. fantastic. it's a fantastic song i think it sounds trafficy too. it does exactly. it absolutely about does uh Again, this could fit in with what they were doing at the time. Yeah, and it's I love how that little the, there's some flamenco guitar kind of yeah. coming in. I don't know if it's actually it, a, a, it, a nylon string guitar. Is this the but, first song on the second side? It's the first song. So, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's song number five. He yeah. did. He did manage to put the names of the song on his album. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all just a giant uh, but, picture of him. <laughs> um, and then there's this part where there's a subtle time signature change. Yeah. That is, is like all of a sudden, holy crap! We're in three, four. What were we in? Where were we before? Yeah, this, and then, this, yeah. yeah this song is. I'm it, always scared. Me. They're part of this song where I'm scared that he, there's going to be a bullwhip, <laughs> and he's going to go, <laughs> yeah, <"Hah!" laughs> and it's going to be like uh, 
the end of Desperados, searching for, for a train, waiting on a train. Or, or uh, leaving uh, Texas. Or we haven't brought the Blues Brothers up yet <laughs> when they're doing rawhide. Because yeah. it does. I mean, he he gets on the borderline with yeah. that bullwhip. Yeah. The one complaint that I have about this song is I, this is almost seems to me like it should have been recorded live. To me, it's I, I I get that. It's it seems to me like you can tell that this was overdubbed in the studio, and well, it definitely has if if it's some meandering keyboard parts going on behind it. I, I think you're right with that kind of as I said the kind of garagey vibe to it. It might yeah. have benefited from having the instant kind of instantaneous. Oh, yeah, and there's uh, there's keyboards going on right. all over the place yeah. that are just absolute, but it's it's just kind of like wait. I still did, love it. I, still I know love it's, it's a fantastic <laughs> song. The next song, the weepy, sad and deep as you. Eyes that are the windows. Eyes that are the view. Eyes that tell a story. So here's the song with the lyrics are, I mean, it's almost like a, my, my six-year-old daughter, I don't have a six-year-old, but when she was six, could have wrote, sit, sat down and wrote the lyrics <laughs> of this song. It's, it, it, I feel like writing new lyrics for this song well, and getting someone uh, to sing it. Cause I love, I love the music. The I, music's I, incredible. I, I will say this about the lyrics as simple <laughs> and childlike as they are. I actually think they kind of work on this song. I, I try all the time to convince myself of that. And sometimes I can't. But you can't say deep. You just can't say deep. Because every stupid college student that's trying to pick up a girl sitting alone in the, at the party. Talks going, about her lips. He's going, I just, I just can't connect with these people. They just seem so superficial. I guess I'm too deep for this party. And she's going, oh, wow. So special. Oh, wow. He's so neat. I haven't met anyone this, like you. That's what the lyrics uh, to this song do you remind write poetry? me. But the, I mean, I, there's very few songs that engage the minor the way this does to just create longing. And uh, I did do enough research to figure out that this is one where John Simon plays the piano on. Oh, that's who's because the piano is great the on this song. The piano is fantastic I, on this song. If, if I I would be willing to say that they he could have just made this an instrumental and it would have been wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm I, sad about the lyrics. I, I just because I know Jam's going to play a bit of it, but I just want to. Here's the first line: lips that are warm could be lips that speak too soon. Lips that tell a story as sad and deep, deep as you. Okay, that's not terrible. Smile that smile that's warm as summer. Better than anything I could have come up with. Smile that gets you through. Smile that tells a story as sad and deep, deep as you. I mean, it's just very repetitive, very childlike. Again, I don't have a problem. I think they work. But um, going back to what you said, Jam, the piano is incredible. I assumed it was. I assumed it was Leon Russell. I don't think Leon Russell can't be that. I don't History think he's sad and deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is another song. This is the second song they recorded on the Welcome to the Canteen album, and and it's incredible. I, did did Winwood sing it? 
No. But but there is there is flute on it and it adds it adds a depth to the song. It sounds so great. I absolutely this song makes me wish I was stupid. Um (laughs) Y'all know y'all y'all remember that Canadian band Triumph? Yeah. You're gonna badmouth the poor man's rush. (laughs) I uh you're really good. I bought bad that up. I bought that record in junior high. Which school. one? Um uh Armed Forces? No, 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 no. The one with Lay It on Something's the Line on it. What, Oh, whatever. just a game? Just a game. And I listened to it. I was thinking about it and I put it on. I said, I wonder if this is as bad as I think it is. <laughs> and I put it on and it was it was just horrible. <laughs> but I knew every song. And I, when I hear Sad and Deep as you, I want to be the same kid that couldn't tell that sucked so that I could listen to this song yeah. and not be distracted you, from the wonderful melody and, and uh, the production. That, can you that, still listen to Triumph? Or is no, it, no. I, <laughs> you know I what? couldn't make it through a single song. See, I could still listen to Triumph. <sighs> See, I wish I was as simple as you, Tony. I, I'm a simple person. <laughs> You're like that, that guy on, uh, what was that guy on um, Tropic Thunder? When the rain comes from my eyes. <laughs> um, I, I have the I have the ability, Doug. I have the ability to still listen to music that I that listen sucks. to. No, not that sucks. That I listened to when I was younger, and and still connect to it emotionally. <laughs> so sad and deep as you is a a wonderful song, but yes, it. But does, try to be stupid while you listen to it. Yes, it does suffer lit uh, lyrically and probably needed some help. I, I want to say something. There's a lot of people that don't even know the words to their favorite song. They just like the sound. So don't even listen to us and just listen That's to the true. song because you're going to like it. My wife routinely says when I say, oh, isn't that a great line? She goes, you know I don't listen to lyrics. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the next song is Just, just a, song. a Song. I've asked you questions now far too long. I'm I'm tired of calling you here when things go wrong So now I'm finding all I need in just a song Again, not a popular opinion. I find the background singing distracting. I'm going to agree with you on this one. To me, this one should have just been left as plain as it is. That being said, I love this song. <laughs> it's a good song. I... I this is again sunny afternoon driving in your car with the top down. So and just I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of this album is don't take yourself too seriously like while you're listening to it. Exactly. What, what's this song about? I have no idea. It's, I, I just think it's like to me, it's like it's a fourteen-year-old kid writing it's a like, song. It's well, it's like when you brought up <laughs> when you brought up Triumph, it made me think of Magic Power. It's a guy walk writing about you know. Uh, well, uh, just yeah. a song. It's a to me. It was kind of like, is it the, about the the power of music in a way, or is it just about the simplicity of music? I don't know. But it's that same because Triumph does the same thing. They have a song about the power of the music and and the the salvation of the music. Yeah. And this song kind of feels that way to me. Well, this is the know. shortest song on the album, right? Yeah, two fifty nine. It's under three yeah. minutes, which is um, brilliant because it is a perfect song to be a short song. And I don't mean yeah. that as a. It's it's not something that can last very long out in the sunshine so the one thing you didn't mention in terms of musicians and i'm again not a musician so this could be something else it sounds like there's a banjo on this song there is there is i think it's dave i think it's dave mason playing it dave mason is 
kind of also famous for hiding what he plays. Okay. Um, I don't know what 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 his deal is. He just does not like taking credit for his own he's stuff. It's funny because he talks about not liking to be front and center. Yeah. But when you when you hear interviews with the other guys at traffic, they all talk about how they were introverts and Dave Mason was the guy wearing the cowboy hat up at the front <laughs> of the stage. So I don't know who's telling the you know what truth in that. But he he could have been. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen? He's very shy about the media. He did, doesn't give a lot of. The thing that blows my mind about him is he's got no damn accent. Yeah, he does not sound like anyone was, from Birmingham. I thought he was. Um, it's weird. I thought he was. Uh, Amer- I thought he was from California. He sounds like a normal person. Yeah, he. Did, you know, Birmingham. You know, those yeah. Brummies have that real thick north north England yeah. north. Uh, well, you remember? Western. You remember Jeff Lynn? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, listen, try listening to Ozzy. First guy that I've heard yeah. that that didn't sound like uh, BBC English. You yeah. had all that. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, it's but like yeah, East Texas versus so West it is. Texas. It is a banjo on this. Yeah, and he's a, he's a and it works. And I hate banjos, and I like it. He's played banjo on a lot of songs, and he plays. There's two songs on here that are. Two, well, it's good. That it's, he plays it's, banjo. it's a nice touch on this one. It's a good yeah. song. Like yeah. I said, out you know nitpicking about the background singing, but so on to the last song. <laughs> look at you. Look at. Me. Now my feet are on the ground for everyone to see. Is that like yes, looking in a mirror? Look at you. Do you at see this pattern? <laughs> He's got. Yeah, this is the second Only one. you know, and I know. Can't stop worrying. Can't stop loving. <laughs> look at you. Look at me. Yeah. I mean, it's um, funny the way his uh, <laughs> titles so, are all. So this yeah. song also has that thing I'm a sucker for, that minor key, garagey mm-hmm. vibe to yep. it. Yep. And it has it in space. Oh, the way it starts off. It's, it's, yeah. It's a little longish for me. But again, well, I think it, that this is like, and here's something that I think Dave Mason is one of the most interesting guitar players out there he is one of the most on beat guitar players i've ever heard and that's that's not to take away from me it, it that's almost kind of like uh jimmy page isn't <laughs> yeah exactly he's like the anti-jimmy page <laughs> but sometimes his guitar solos are just not that I, interesting I, i'll say this about this song too um his vocals don't really bother me on anything else, but on this song, I'm thinking, God, if someone with a stronger voice was on this Stevie song Winwood. Yeah. in particular, it would really benefit from somebody that could really belt it out. And uh, and I and I find that a sad, kind of a sad thing because it really would. Been, and I also find the keys on this song a little bit odd as well. Um, when they're I, there's parts where they're isolated, sort of from the rest yeah, of the track, yeah, and they just right. don't they don't sound quite right. I do like the way this is again two different songs yeah yeah and they provide relief from one another oh that's interesting um you know the minor part you're talking about it sounds like something someone would lay down to play a lead over it's it's one i i think anybody that plays guitar would recognize what i'm talking about it just invites yeah a lead 
it's 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 something easy to put a lead on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but but it's it's deceptively not easy. It it the, what's, yeah, it's and he is. It's hard to s- stop at the right place. Boy, I wish Eric Clapton were doing his guitar solo right now. Well, I don't. I never felt that way. <laughs> um, there's there's something uh, that I can't put my finger on, but I love listening to him play guitar. I, I tell you who he reminds me of is um, what's his face from the uh, band, um, Robbie Robertson. Yeah, they remind me of each other in that none of them are ever going to have a song that is on twenty greatest guitar leads of all time. Yeah, yeah. but I enjoy listening to it. Yeah, and um, I'm never disappointed one... about it, and, and somehow I'm intrigued by it. But at the same time. There's not a new sound, and mm-hmm. there's. there's I mean, the best example is comparing him playing uh, all along the Watchtower to Hendrix playing all along the Watchtower. Yeah, he does some really cool things, and he's. But there's not a new sound, and there's nothing quite as. I mean, nobody does anything as imaginative as Hendrix. No, but um, but his his ability to layer. That's um, what's impressive. Is impressive. So there's two guys that impressed me with their ability to layer stuff one is jimmy page and one is dave mason and both of them lindsey buckingham well lindsey buckingham does some the edge. great layer but <laughs> sorry yeah. but when lindsey buckingham's guitar solos intrigue me but he doesn't take many guitar solos i i enjoy dave mason's guitar I solos too. Well, and this is the first one, but this is the the Wankarama that comes at the end of it. Was like three minutes of, of just him. I, well, the, so, the, so, the song's a, the song's a little long, and he didn't yes. pull out a violin bow like uh, Page would. <laughs> um, while I thought many times it would be nice to hear someone else singing these songs, not once did I think, "Boy, would it be nice having someone else play guitar on." Well, it. this yeah. is the first one. This is the only one where I just went, "I wish he had had." At least somebody else and doing Tony's something. Tony's going to tell you one of the main reasons it doesn't get old. The drumming, the drumming <laughs> is why it doesn't get old. Yeah. The I, drumming I on this song keeps it moving. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know what. Again, there are so many reasons why this album should not be something that I enjoyed as much as I did. I, I, I was surprised, um, but uh, I, I found it. I, I found myself waking up with the songs in my head. Of course, I do Me that. Too. I do that to a certain extent every time because these I listen, are very catchy. I tunes. listen to mm-hmm. the music a lot when we're doing this, so so I can be prepared. But yeah, there's something about these songs in particular that hit me in a way that I, just kind of surprised me. Yeah. They uh, they are catchy as hell. Um, I think again, that's one of the reasons why Dave Mason didn't quote unquote fit into traffic was because he was able to write a concise sort of catchy little pop tune. And those guys were interested in exploring yeah. outer space or whatever you want to say. Well, I think a guy coming out of traffic that only has one three-minute guitar solo, you ought to count yourself lucky. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I but that could have been a flute solo. <laughs> which I, I might have enjoyed a little bit more. Not on this, but, uh, you know. I uh, hate flute solos in general. Are well, we you're going to love the next, <laughs> next album week? we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It's right up your alley. I know. What's I that know. guy's name? Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. Oh, I thought it was Jethro Tull. Oh, yeah. The inventor of the seed drill. <laughs> All right. So we've... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so we've come to the uh, end of this album. Uh, so this 
is the time and where if we, you're one of the well, people we, who had no I, I idea think, who we're talking about and you listened to all the way to this point i just want to say thank you very much we've come to the end of this version of the album tony we're looking for some tony tidbits this album was released in 1970 well uh within the last year or so he re-recorded it and the reason why is has a lot to do with thing something we've talked about over and over again he didn't like his vocal performance however when he re-recorded it they didn't really really improve upon it and he had his current band play on it instead of all these amazing people <laughs> so it's it's not really much of an Doesn't improvement the life. it's called yeah it's called uh, together or um, alone alone together again I don't I mean uh, if his vocals improved upon it I would get like if he if he was honest and said my vocals are better than they were they're well, not his, his vocals changed it did. so he's, much he's, he's a little gravelier now I don't think his voice is any, so much deeper I don't think it's any stronger which no, these he's songs, never had a strong voice. which these songs would definitely benefit from um, and the band not saying his current band isn't is bad. They're not this band. Right. They're not this group of well, musicians. Nobody has four drummers of that caliber. Another thing, I are, are you guys? I, I think I, I find it fascinating when these guys get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What happens? Because it's never pleasant. It seems like there's very few bands that go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and get inducted where it's a pleasant experience, <laughs> where there's not some sort of animosity, <laughs> animosity between yeah. what's going on. And, and who is the band yeah, exactly so traffic gets inducted in in 2004 um along with harrison jackson brown the dells prince bob seger zz top and yon yon uh winner um why he's in the rock and roll hall of fame i have I'm no, no idea, idea. Uh, I guess all his... he's got pictures of someone with a goat i, I guess so <laughs> but um the, so the big thing was uh, uh Steve Winwood had said they were going to play. Uh, they were going to play Mr. Uh, "Dear Mr. Fantasy." That's the song they were going to play as traffic. Fine, fine song. Dave Mason plays bass on that song, and Steve Winwood said, "We want you to play bass on it." Dave Mason's like, "I ain't playing bass on that. I'm a guitarist. I haven't played the bass in however many years," and so he's he, he doesn't want to do it. And so they start they start having a bit of a of a fight about it. Um, the Traffic ends up playing. They they do their speech. Uh, there's a little bit of coldness in it. Traffic does play Mr. Fantasy. Uh, Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Dave Mason isn't on the stage when they're doing it. He just decides not to do it. So what's interesting is Paul Schaefer, who is the music director of the of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know if he still is, but he was at the time. When they were when Traffic's rehearsing, he sees all this. He's like, "This is nonsense, right?" So there's always this song at the end that they all jam to. Everybody who's inducted gets on the stage and jams to the song. So as the evening's ending, they start playing "Sweet Little Rock and Roller," which is a Chuck Berry tune. Mm -hmm. Everybody is inducted, as well as a bunch of other people. Tom Petty, a bunch of people are out there playing. Um, as that song fades out, Dave Mason comes walking out on the stage with a guitar, and they break into "Feeling All Right." Um, and it's got Jim Capaldi playing the congas on it. Steve Winwood's playing the keyboards, and Dave Mason's playing guitar and singing. The only down—it's pretty cool. The only downside is that Chris Rock takes over the mic at one point and sings a line from it, which is horrifying. Wow. I'm not—I'm sorry, not Chris Rock, Kid Rock. Even though Dave Mason didn't want to play bass and didn't want—he you know took his ball and went home. Paul Schaefer and his 
you know, ultimate kindness or whatever <laughs> gets the guys gets a traffic reunion yeah. on stage in some way. Uh, yeah. You know, Bill, as we mentioned earlier before the podcast, Billy Billy Gibbons is playing guitar with them on that, which which of course is why we're experts, we're experts on this. On this right. All right, so we've come to the point in the podcast where we give our ratings. Remember, we have two ratings. One is what you think it is critically. And the other rating is how likely are we to listen to it again and what are our our personal feelings for it. Those are very different, very different ratings. So I'm going to go with Tony first. Tony, what's your rating? So, Jam, this this is an album I knew nothing about before we started doing this podcast. Um, I had mentioned I was a big Traffic fan, but I never dabbled into the Dave Mason solo side of stuff. Um, So I didn't know what to expect. It's interesting. I I like this album from the first moment I listened to it, and as a, the more I listened to it, the more I liked it, which happens to a certain extent almost every time we do this. Even albums I don't like, I find that just multiple listenings to it, I end up liking it better. But this album, as I mentioned earlier, just seeped into my subconscious. I was walking around singing the songs. Uh, they, I would wake up, and they'd be in my head, and it, it wasn't annoying. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I... I think, uh, you know, the lyrics are a little iffy. The background scene got me a little bit. Um, his vocals aren't the strongest in the world. So in terms of a, of a critic's review, I would give it probably a 3.8. In terms of me listening to it again, if it's something I would listen to again, I think I'd give it a 3.9 to a 4. Okay, since uh, Doug recommended the album, I'm going to go next. I've owned this album for probably 20 years, and I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've listened to this album. Really? Um, there are songs that I actually love off of it, but I just never like, hey, I really want to hear uh, Dave Mason's Alone Together in, an, in its entirety. That said, this was one of the albums I listened to the most. Huh. Um, after uh, we said we're, we were going to do it, and that's until next week. Until next week, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a, uh, a on a personal rating. I, I think I'm going, I'm going to be listening to it again uh, quite a bit. I would give it a 4.0. As a critic, I would give it a 3.5. So we're pretty close. Yep. Well, uh, again, I'm not going to pretend to be impartial because this album entered my consciousness so early. As a critic, though, I feel really confident giving it 4.5. As a fan, I would give it 4.7. And the points that are missing between 4.7 and a 5 would have revolve around lyrics um lyrics are very important to me and if i were tony and was hearing this for the first time i i think i would choke on some of them but fortunately that's not my situation (laughs) and i'm a much more forgiving person he's he's a kind wonderful person and everybody knows about me we've read it in your emails all right so normally at this time of the uh, podcast we 
look for some recommendations. And we usually look to Tony, who's much more in tune with the kids. Tony? Hip. What do you have for us tonight? Well, I don't know how in tune with the kids this is. This is an album from 2005. But in li- in listening to this Dave Mason album tonight and, and the... Uh, and all the minor keys things going on, it just re- got me in the mood and reminded me of this of garage this garage rock I like. And there's a band out in, out of Sweden called the Maharajas that have been played on little. I discovered them listening to them on Little Stevens Underground Garage. I think they've been Song of the Week a couple of times. I I own three or four of their albums. One in particular I really really like. Um, I like all of them. One in particular I really like is called A Third Opinion was released in 2005 as i said uh one of the songs that's reminiscent of the stuff we were listening to tonight is called flying i don't like to take off the verses Fantastic, kind of mellower uh, um, minor key ditty. Um, the 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 ty- or the first song on the album, "I'm Cracking Up," is just this great rock and garage rock song. Um, there's a great song called "Ethanol Rocket," which is ex- sounds exactly like you'd think it would sound with a name like "Ethanol Rocket." It's just really good. Good. These guys are fantastic musicians, and and it sounds of the time they're trying to emulate without sounding derivative. So it sounds like that late 60s garage rock stuff. Um, just really, really, um, you know, in that groove. I highly recommend it. I recommend all my recommendations. They're <laughs> called that. But this one in particular, this is a band that deserves to be listened to by a lot more people. The Maharajis. The Maharajas. The Maharajas. A third opinion. Well, thank you for that, Tony. Sure. Well, that's it for tonight's show. Join us next week when we'll be looking at an album by Jethro Tull, their 1971 release, Aqualung. We're on Twitter at Tapping Vinyl, and we're on Facebook. And you can email us at tappingvinyl at gmail.com. And of course, you can download us from any of your favorite podcasting platforms. So for our host, Doug Cooper... Our co-host, Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, don't take more than you give. Worcester, yeah. After the sauce. Worcester. Worcester. They pronounce it Worcester. It's not like the sauce. It's the same, but they pronounce it Worcester. (laughs) Has anyone told them how to pronounce it? (laughs) Well, they say aluminum as well. We should send missionaries. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the... Algae? Well, uh, 
you know, are we one? Are we one to really talk? Burn it. Canid, man shack, uh, excuse man me, shack. president of Texas. Waterloo. We get to say his name however we want. <laughs> None of these other states had presidents. Yeah, oh, we're a territory. May we please join? <laughs> All right. So they- <laughs> are we off topic? <clears throat> yes, quite a bit. And together, again. have y'all ever seen that uh, SCTV show where they uh, remake on the waterfront? But they call it. <laughs> On the waterfront again. Oh, that is hilarious. I thought you were going to bring up their Stairway to Heaven cover <laughs> album. Which is no, great. but that, that's kind of what I would think this something.